You are listening to Oblivion. It is February 26th, 2024. It's a beautiful day here in Kentucky. Clear skies, uh, unseasonably high temperatures around 74 degrees. And David, tell you what, uh, somebody else was hot yesterday. A guy that caught himself on fire for Gaza at the Israeli embassy yesterday. Oh, yeah? Yep. Talk, talk about uh, climate change. <laughs> yeah. It was really hot over there. <laughs> oh, boy. Corporal uh, climate change. <laughs> get the hook. Um, yeah, so... Um, I actually, no I, longer no, no longer at 98.6. Yeah. Sorry, I had uh, to get that in. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> right. Uh, actually, it was the second immolation um, in the U.S., I think, uh, for Gaza. Uh, now, I'll uh, say p- my personal opinion is please don't. You know, uh, <laughs> this is um, a horrible thing to do. I think that 100% of, you know, I'm sure I'm for people being activists uh, f- for the case of, of Gaza, but... Uh, Killing yourself violently like that is just uh, adds extra trauma for everybody. Um, <laughs> I think if you asked any Palestinian, a hundred percent would be like, "Please don't." You know, <laughs> uh, uh, there's enough killing going on. You don't need to kill yourself for this. Um, uh, but uh, nonetheless, at the same time, it, it does uh, give all of this uh, violent death a presence. Sure. Yeah. And, and without that actual presence, I think has a lot to do. Um, it certainly has a significant impact on the apathy. Yeah. Right. Because people just don't really perceive what's going on in the first place. Yeah. Well, and and it's kind of amazing when you look through the, uh, well, uh, looking at the Twitter feeds of various uh there's various posts of, like I saw one uh, actually yesterday, um, of a protest in some little town in Japan. Uh, it looked like about thirty protesters who were walking down the street for Gaza. Um, <clears throat> uh, this has kind of been ongoing all around the world. Then I saw another one a little later yesterday that was like a a bunch of students were protesting for Gaza. And um, Italy and like the cops had their big paramilitary van and cut them off on a street and then started beating them with sticks. And um, so this this shit, it's, uh, people are pissed off all around the world about it, as, as they should be. And um, so sure, that uh, extreme um, protest is, um, uh, even though I, I th- <clears throat> personally, I don't think it's the best way to do it, um, it's still... Uh, uh, the propaganda of the deed, I guess, uh, in the old, old anarchist uh, phrasing. Um, um, Could you elaborate on that? Well, that, that was that was the phrase to describe, for instance, like actions of assassinations and bombings. Uh, the the propaganda of the deed. Um, you would do something extreme like that, and. Um, you know, it would affect the, the propaganda of the deed. Is that the yeah, phrase? Propaganda of the deed uh, of whatever, um, quote, terroristic or whatever bombing uh, assassinations. Uh, this was to certain uh, anarchists or other um, radicals uh, was legitimate uh, um, 
action to bring about revolutionary change was uh and you see it's it's um enacted it's not just the the left of course it's uh uh uh, right-wing elements like Timothy McVeigh, that was basically a propaganda of the deed action um, uh, for an uh, extreme right-winger, um, white supremacist type um, militant. Uh, uh, so, you know, it's, uh, it's not necessarily a left thing, although it was, of course, when that was the, um, the leading... Um, you know, when anarchism was kind of at its height and there was quite a few uh, radicals like the one that killed, I think it was McKinley, um, you know, well, these, what ended up happening was that these, um, these actions were basically uh, very negative for the movement as a whole because then that, that uh, uh, led, led to... They commandeered the movement. Well, it was like a stream, extreme crackdown occurred. Uh, because of it, you know, they were able to justify the the powers that be to, especially why anarchy's bad. Yeah, anarchy's bad, and the, you know, right after the, the first capitalists never kill anybody. Right. So the the capitalists uh, after the, the uh, war fever of World War One, especially in the United States, it's somewhat world, worldwide. You know, there was a revolution in Germany, nineteen eighteen, etc. Uh, that there was a extreme right wing reaction uh that occurred in the f the first red scare probably started more about 1920 um and uh you know there was major repression all through the u.s um and uh especially pointed towards uh left groups of of course and um you know shut down people and that's when the fbi was created about that time as well and uh you know uh political repression began now I'm, I'm not gonna i'm not saying that the propaganda of deed you know even if the propaganda of the deeds of these these deeds of the propagandists that were quote anarchists or whatever um you know that can't be blamed uh you know those people can't really be blamed for uh <laughs> this uh first red scare you know this was just straight up uh repression state repression um uh yeah. So, I mean, uh, in the U.S., of course, it's not um, – there's been no terrorist actions uh, for the Palestinians, which is a, a good thing. I don't think that that's going to help, right, <laughs> um, uh, to, you know, kill some people in the name of the Palestinians. Um, uh, they would like to. Of course, they're trying to smear anybody that uh, – um, as against the genocide as being anti-Semitic or, you know, uh, whatever the long list is, that's the primary thing is that you're really the Nazi for, for calling for a ceasefire. Right. <laughs> um, right. To, to oppose, um, genocide is to be a fascist. And that just shows you the, uh, the degeneration of, meaning making oh that'd be a good thing to to write down <clears throat> i don't have a pen nearby do you have your notebook nearby oh generation of meaning making all right noted thank you um but the way that we can see long-standing uh, association among uh ideas and uh 
ideology and the way that you can or an S expose contradictions as though they are synonymous. That's another one good one. Juxtaposition of contradictions as though synonymous. Yeah. Um and that's double speak, right? War is peace, ignorance is strength, um freedom is slavery, right? Ceasefire is fascism. Uh the same thing uh could be said with what's going on in Ukraine. This What's going on in Gaza is too much of a nightmare, and I'm really glad that, <clears throat> excuse me, I mean, you've been really with this, whereas the rest of the people, and again, I'm, I'm speaking of ourselves as a media source, because I believe it won't be long before another month will be at uh, four years, which is pretty amazing. Do you realize that? Right. But these other media sources are Gaza, but they really treat it just like it's another story. So unless on this particular day, the violence was really, really, really gruesome, and most of all, looks good on film, right? Looks good on camera, uh, spectacular. Though they bombed a hospital, uh, yeah, we'll lead with that. Um, it's just not talked about that much, and there's, there's this sort of um, sedated, uh, monotone uh, discussion of it and presentation of the information, and so it it uh, it really destroys the credibility of the people in the media that they can look at something like this going on. But of course, they're the capital K knowing, and they know that there are other things that are more important because since they're superstars, it's all about the superstars. And that's how it works in a hierarchical human society, right? People getting killed in Gaza don't really matter, right? They're just, uh, it's like mountaintop removal, a bunch of trees or some rivers get polluted, some people get killed. It's the necessary uh, uh, cost of doing business for the people who really should have been born, uh, who are the elites, right? And then besides the elites, the one in a million who is such a great singer or dancer or actor or athlete that they rise above the uh the squirming uh, greasy worms uh, on, on the ground that are there just to be uh, bombed and, and killed unless <laughs> they are precious. <laughs> precious. <embryos. laughs> oh, the precious embryos. And then they are untouchable. So you can do this to these people in Gaza. Snack, right? Snacking on embryos is just not cool, man. But uh, let go my embryo. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> let go of my embryo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that little embryo shaped um, pop tarts. Man, that's got That's got to be the. <laughs> that's got to be the episode title. Let go of my embryo. Okay. Let go of my embryo. <laughs> yum yum. Uh. So you know about the, of course, the Alabama, just the latest in the super religious, uh, super misogynist, um, zany view of life and the world and creation and of all time. I mean, totally unprofessional. These judges acting like they are on Mount Olympus and just like the Supreme Court acting like it can time travel to the 18th century. Uh, and this is something I've been thinking about that with the, this idea of being an originalist and why Roe versus Wade couldn't stand because uh, it, there was no constitutional basis for it, which is what people have who oppose the idea have, have said that it's, it's a legal fiction. It's based on a right that, that doesn't exist. And this being an originalist is uh, a variation of that because it's, it's saying since these people didn't say this was a right that you have, it, you can't say that you have the right. I mean, there's no uh, there's no basis for it. But if you were born in the 20th century, by your own argument, by your own words, you cannot know what these people meant right because they've been dead for so long and it's been so many generations between them and you that it's impossible for you to know what they thought so if you really are an originalist then your ultimate uh basis for any ruling can't be the constitution because you weren't alive when it was written you didn't, furthermore, if you really want to uh, be serious about the idea, you weren't there in the room with these people when they were talking and writing and revising the Constitution. So it's impossible for you or anyone else born in the 20th century and now living in the third decade of the 21st century, which is also a new millennium. You're so far removed from the origin of the Constitution that you cannot possibly know what these people meant or what they would say about something going on hundreds of years later after they, meaning men, wrote the Constitution. You just cannot know by your own words. These are your own words. Right. We have to be an originalist. It's what the people who wrote the Constitution meant. Right. Right. OK. You can't know that by your own definition. No one born in the 20th century can know what someone 200 years ago was thinking. It's it's impossible. It reinforces the idea that well you you can you could um actually go back and and read the federalists and all of the various discussions uh for the constitutional convention um 
And of course, there were many amendments after um, that time anyway. Uh, but uh, I mean, what that means, what, the, what that means for the Supreme Court is uh, basically, uh, you know, people like Clarence Thomas, et cetera, um, all these new sickos. It, it, it means I'm going to make up what I think that the, they said, <laughs> and that's for what's sure. going to be the law. That's exactly. what, you know, this is what's going on. All right. Right. Um, and so I'm, I'm claiming myself to be superhuman. Right. I can somehow channel time travel, know what these people meant. I mean, you're you're getting at the same point from a different uh, angle. But what I'm saying is that if you if you really are an originalist, you would be the first person to admit that you can't know. Despite what has actually been written down and you can't go to the Federalist Papers and you can documents you want to know why because they're not the constitution they don't count they may be closely connected they may be contextually part of the constitution but they are not the constitution and that is according to these people the basis for what their arguments are if you are saying that the only valid interpretation of the Constitution can be from the time when it was written in the minds of the people who wrote it, you are being that was born 200 later cannot possibly know what these people meant when they wrote the Constitution. What it meant died with them. Whichever one was the last one to die of the people that were um, that, that wrote the, the, the Constitution. Oh which yeah. I don't think included Taylor Swift. I, I'm I'm reading um, so you are you are you, oversight. are you referring to the Alabama lawmakers move to protect IVF treatments? Uh, court ruling declaring frozen embryos to be legally considered children has set off a scramble among leaders and both parties to preserve access to a crucial reproductive treatment. <laughs> you know, was right, that what you right. were? Yeah. Yeah. That's the latest uh -huh. uh, just butchering of our entire, uh, re not just reproductive law, but reproductive culture, right? I mean, there's a culture of reproduction like any culture evolves over time, over generations, over centuries, right? With the introduction of new knowledge and new technology. That's another reason that you say that this originalist interpretation is garbage because uh, you can't deny that cultures evolve and advance, right? New knowledge, new technologies, new practices are part of society and the whole point of a legal system is that it can uh, regulate uh, and it can uh, patrol and and monitor what these new practices are and it can assess the new knowledge and new technologies and determine the the value the benefit the risk the safety the danger of of, of, of all of these things. Um, 
but the um the, the this idea of, of originalism among other things and it's kind of interesting that it gets back to the anarchist discussion is uh some anarchists that i've talked to and i think this is a, a very compelling idea i'm not sure that i agree with it but i think it's an idea that should be always involved in conversations about supreme court rulings and interpretations of the constitution is that um really every so often um I, i'm not sure exactly however many years it, it would be but but like every generation would basically have to rewrite and to ratify its own constitution yeah and and david because, this was this was actually one of the suggestions that uh uh jefferson um thomas jefferson uh, made there early on. Uh, that's what he kind of thought was every twenty years to rewrite it. That was something that he uh, put out there. Uh, so this is not some. Uh, this is one of the founding uh, so-called oh, fathers. Oh, about that? That's another thing. Every yeah. time that the Supreme Court makes a ruling, it does rewrite the the, the Constitution. Right? It changes things. Uh-huh, right. So if society can't change. How can the Supreme Court go against its own principle and change things? I mean, the Supreme Court isn't the original writers of the Constitution. So their their own by virtue of their own act of rendering a ruling in the year 2022 or afterward, uh, they are contradicting uh, and going against their own principle. Interpretation. I mean, you could almost say that once the Constitution was written, anything that was any amendment, any Supreme Court ruling went against the Constitution because it wasn't written by those people. Yeah, and and actually, I was just remembering that <clears throat> when this uh, Alabama came thing came up a few days ago, uh, that. Of course, then the Biden, et cetera, the Democrats come up with their messaging that, uh, oh, see here, uh, you know, those crazy Republicans uh, vote for us. We'll protect uh, (laughs) the right to choose, you know, which is just so hilarious because, I mean, they're the ones that lost it. But still, they're like, oh, yeah, we're the ones that the bulwark against the the crazies. (laughs) Yes. It's so uh, pathetic. Arsonists who put out their own fire. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Talk about immolation. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And, the, and of course, the Democrats will be going down in flames. I mean, there's I mean, uh, well, who knows what will happen between now and then. But but uh, it's not it's not looking good. Oh, no, I think we should we could get on that for a few minutes. Democrats going down down in flames. <laughs> a lot of good possibilities for this one. I kind of like that one. Um, <laughs> Especially with the the heat and the and the climate change, um, but yeah, it's um, and this could kind of get into the Ukraine discussion. It's hard to see how it, uh, it how it is looking good uh, for the Democrats and supporters of Biden have said that once the general election comes around, there'll be a lot more critical attention on Trump. Um, and so that'll help 
uh, Biden, whereas right now it's kind of looking bad for Biden because all the critical attention is on him because he is the president. But in the first case, this is the first time I think this has ever happened, maybe in any country ever in the world, not just in the United States. This is the first time that the that a former president has been more in the news and more the focus of the media than the president. Part of that is Biden's own uh, reclusiveness, right, and his uh, his inaccessibility, his reticence. He's very much like the Obama kind, where you just wonder, um, do we even have a president, right? Or is this does this guy just think of himself as a clerk, right, and someone to do paperwork and well, make I, phone calls? And yeah, the observation the, the and, observation is something that we were, just, of course, came into across the media is that it's part of this his dementia, and they they don't hiding, want him out there <laughs> hiding. Yeah, they're totally yeah. hiding him. I mean, hundred percent, right. because he's just so, a, a total demented joke. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then the, the problem, the real problem is, is that while there there uh, there will be need uh, once the general election comes around, so clearly, thick as mud that uh, liberals are, is how many times would you have to? vilify Trump or draw attention to how bad he is, two impeachments, three or four uh, indictments that within them include like hundreds of criminal charges, right? This has actually happened and it has no impact, none on supporters' perceptions of Donald Trump. The people that support him, believe him, who are going to lean Republican, lean to lean to the right, uh, and, and don't like liberals, don't believe in, in Joe Biden. No, by, it should be completely obvious at this point that no amount of vilifying Trump or trying to draw attention to how bad and dangerous he is, is going to make him go away. If you've impeached him twice, if he's actually been indicted, he's got a mugshot, he's a criminal defendant in multiple uh, uh, trials, right, in in multiple uh, criminal cases. He is a criminal defendant. And yet, he is he remains just completely obstructed in terms of his path to the nomination, certainly for for uh, the, being the Republican nominee and then have uh, at least as good a chance as Biden does of winning the election in November. Right. So if you have any brains at all, if, if you have any work ethic at all. If you actually want to do some some real thinking, you would have to start realizing there's more going on here than just Trump is bad and everybody's so stupid that they don't realize it. Right. And then one of the things you would want to start taking seriously is the things that are wrong with Biden and the things that are wrong with the Democrats and the things that these people are doing wrong. Gaza certainly uh, has to uh, stand out to you. 
right? But if you're a psychopath and it just doesn't really bother you that much that this is going on, which I don't think it does, um, then then that's uh, then that's not going to happen. Sorry, man. You're all right there. Got a little choked, man. You getting uh, choked up about <laughs> yeah. How intense everything is? No, I actually had to take a big uh, hit of pot because of my uh, gauze-related anxiety. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) Uh, And, yeah, when I, of course, I'm I'm scrolling very quickly when I look through my Twitter Twitter feed, you know, because you're constantly seeing the latest horror, of course, um, since yesterday, it's been the guy catching himself on fire. You know, he live streamed himself. So there's a uh, picture. Yeah, he had, he was, I guess, in the military, had fatigues on and, you know, put some kind of accelerant on himself and caught himself on fire. And then the, one of the pictures that, that came out, uh, was af- I guess, after he f- fell down and somebody got out there with a, a, um, uh, fire extinguisher but there's a cop there pointing a gun that's what he's doing is pointing a gun at this guy who's like already collapsed and still on fire Aldery. <laughs> yeah uh you know so that you know real useful cop there he's you know if i was a cop how come he didn't Derek chop and put him in a chokehold <laughs> yeah yeah but that he would have burned himself david and uh no choking no and smoking now there's our title choking yeah. and smoking <laughs> uh yeah um yeah i think if if i was someone uh, i'd like take my fucking shirt off and start beating the fire off of him you know or something you know i wouldn't be standing there pointing my fucking gun at him like a robot idiot i mean this guy is not gonna like harm you i guess michael myers you're not donald pleasant yeah the alien who's on fire uh he's melting but he's still coming after you Uh, indestructible (laughs) where are the where's like fire rescue is a fire yeah um so I, i guess it was somebody in the embassy came out with the fire extinguisher but um yeah, I'm sure you could see the whole thing if you really wanted to. But that's what I was getting at is like you're flipping through this fucking Twitter and, you know, several several dead baby photos, uh, <laughs> the latest dead babies. Uh, oh, there's one smiling, oh, smiling uh, Palestinian. She's probably dead now. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is the smiling little child who's been... <laughs> been uh, murdered by Israel. Uh, Won't be able to scoop that one up and stick it in the freezer. Uh, Spain and the Maldives call for an end to Israel's impunity. Okay, well, that's something. <clears throat> but, uh, Democrats down in flames. So <laughs> here's, here's another uh, place where I think pe- these liberals are being lazy and they just keep recycling their talking points and not actually doing any thinking. One of the big uh, arguments against Trump is the lowering of America standing across the world, right? That is, a, a, a America shrinking from its leadership role, all right? But with what you see going on in Gaza is you have the, the worst thing that's ever happened in the world 
in at least four generations. I mean, you have to go back to the Holocaust, uh, which, uh, I mean, on the scale, in terms of scale, uh, even much worse than this. But in terms of the brutality and the slaughter and the blatantly obvious desire to just round up, uh, well, you're not rounding them up you're because they're already there. But instead of they've made Gaza into a concentration camp. Right. So instead of having to go and get them and then bring them to the ovens or where they can dig their own graves. Right. You just turn the shoebox of Gaza into its own um, is already is a concentration camp to just slaughter them there. Mm. But it is the same thing just in terms of, of this, this blatant uh, ghoulish desire just to slaughter this group of people who you don't like and you've dehumanized and, and, and vilified the, the failure of, of America that it either won't, stop this from happening or it can't right that even maybe privately uh just a little bit of the benefit of the doubt maybe there are some democrats that are like god this is horrible like we've got to and then as soon as the next word starts to come out of their mouth everybody at the table just sort of rolls their eyes and they're like let's get a another uh, round of uh, spring rolls, right? There's just, they, there's nothing they can do because they're compromised. Ralph Nader dialing for the same dollars. If they push back against this, their careers are over and they, they're over, they're, they're ruined. Uh, but they've made a deal with the devil. I think that's obvious. The Democrats yeah. have. The Reagan right. Democrats are the Dr. Faustus of American <laughs> politics. Deal with and, uh, the devil. <laughs> flames, flames and, 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 and Faustus. Uh, but so if, if anything in the world's eyes has diminished America as, as a leader, like you would think that the presence of America in the world as, as a leader of the free world that is, that is out there to protect people against the kind of thing that is happening to the people in Gaza, that's the image of America that, that people have in mind when they say that the Trump presidency diminished uh, the world standing, that diminished America's world standing. But with what, what's happening with Gaza, you have to think, um, that destroys America's image as a world leader far more than anything that, that Trump might have done, where with Trump, much of it really was just his um, abrasive, his unstately uh, uh, personality. But so what? I mean, that versus slaughter 30,000 civilians 68% of whom are women and children, that's exactly what it means to be a psychopath, right? Like this poor behavior and uh, bad posture and the way that he talks about people, uh, that bothers you more than what's happening in Gaza. You are a psychopath, right? Like you're a serial killer who is disturbed and upset uh, if there's a stain on his shirt or if the fork is not perfectly parallel with the knife 
on your table setting, right? <laughs> that really sets you off. Like Serial Mom. You remember that movie? That was a yeah. great movie, the John Waters movie. Right, yeah. We saw that at the Dollar Movies, yeah. Yeah, right? Like uh, like she <laughs> she kills somebody because she's wearing white after Labor Day, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of thing. Yeah, that, that was her last murderer. That was uh, one of the jurors who was played by uh, Patty uh, Duke, uh, Patty Smith. No shit. The one Patty Hearst. Uh Patty the, yeah, she played the juror that that was the last scene of a serial mom killing <laughs> uh killing Patty Hearst cuz she uh had the shoes at the <laughs> So yeah, yeah. For example. So, so that's that's an example of, of why I think the Democrats are are really in, in in trouble. I mean, they are out of touch. Psychopaths are hilarious, man, especially the serial killers. You know, they they're recycling the same uh talking points and sort of wearing out the same uh brand, right? They're they're Rubik's cube, right? <laughs> it's like it's a uh, Yeah. That well, was 8th grade, man. That that's that was a long time ago. And, and yeah, like like this um immigration thing. Of course, that's kind of the bigger in the news than uh Gaza uh but uh you know, they've gave the uh, Republicans uh, their deal was to give them everything they wanted, <laughs> you know, and uh, they were rejected and they were like, we gave them everything they want. <laughs> uh, but look at them. They're just not reasonable. They won't take everything. You know, they're far right, uh, uh, which just a few years ago, four, f a few years ago when Trump was in, this was like the most horrible thing, you know, kids in cages and. Uh, yeah, but now it's just like, that's, uh, that's what we're going to do now is what we were calling, uh, so horrible and, uh, uh, yeah, shows, shows the level of honesty there. But now, yeah, this, and that's the, that's the thing, that's the oversight in the whole immigration debate is, uh, I would agree with anyone that anywhere in, in, in the world, if you, if you have just this unchecked stream of people, crossing an international border now as um, maybe not a full-on anarchist, but someone who definitely uh, leans further in that direction than anywhere else. And, and I, uh, for the most part, especially when it comes to the idea of consensual agreement into anything that you're going to be, be doing, that was a real eye-opener, mind-opener uh, for, for me. Well, I, 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 yeah, I think that, the, the, of course, there should be no borders and there should be no uh, total freedom of movement of all people equally, right? So these this arbitrary sure. border where we're um, and, led to believe led to believe anyway. these poor people are invading us, and uh, you know, uh, but it's already like that. And that's what's so hilarious. It's like let's protect our borders, then, and let's give all our money to Ukraine and Israel. Right. So that they can fight wars against foreign like where where's the nation framework in all of this? It states, but it's not it doesn't spend its money on itself. It's supposed to have these borders, like it is a nation, but the way this looks is it really is just a world, right? It is all one place. There aren't any borders. The money just flies out of here, um, you know, faster than, you know, birds going south for the winter 
it's the day after tomorrow and that big ice storm is swooping down over the entire northern uh, hemisphere. Um, of course, that, again, takes us uh, back to uh, back to uh, climate change. Anyway, whatever you're going to say about the the situation at the border with these so-called immigrants and notice the constant labeling like it's. Mm-hmm. Muslims and Palestinians, Jews and Israel, immigrants, America, the border, human beings. What gets overlooked in all of this is people must be treated humanely. Like whatever your position is, that they should be able to come here and work and, and have a life. Or no, uh, they, if they're going to come here, they should have to do it in the legal way they have to immigrate properly it's the only way humans can actually somewhat control and make sure that bad actors don't get into their communities and that is i think a a worthy um uh, necessity in terms of operating society uh but it does but it, it's used at such an extreme to say Every single person from Honduras is a fentanyl mule, a fentanyl mule. I mean, if you they should be treated humanely. If you want to get across the border, you can still get across the border. It's fairly difficult because they uh, the only easier routes uh, where they haven't built like super hardcore walls. are in hardcore desert and you know that's pretty difficult for the average person to to negotiate um but yeah i would say as far as the criminality thing i yeah i just i kind of reject the whole idea of the bad actors coming in uh you need to do more than kind of a uh um, simple survey i don't even know what um you know personally i think that uh there would be no problems with people just coming in and out with the kind of the minimal <laughs> uh, info, uh, right? I mean, they already do to a great extent. There's millions of Mexicans and uh, Latin American uh, people that have come through the border. They're here, part of the society. Uh, they're just kind of uh, <clears throat> in a strange non-citizen uh, uh, status, Uh and um, uh, they're uh, productive members of society and should be treated just the same as everybody else. You know, um, people are 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 you know uh, generally just um, there's no way to predict a that if a, a quote bad actor. I mean, how how do you know that? I mean, uh, they were oh, sure, sure. Sh- sure if they were like uh, uh, were part of uh, Al Qaeda Inc. Or something, and <laughs> I may maybe should look over them twice. I don't know, uh, uh, but um, yeah, uh, right. It's it, I'm not even um, I'm not saying that I uh, agree with that position, but I'm just I'm pointing out that regardless of where where someone uh, lies on the immigration issue, that the the main point that is overlooked time and again is that uh, everyone should be treated 
humanely so that when people do get to the border, this idea that, mm-hmm. you know, children are separated from their parents and they just do all of this horrible beat down things as a mm-hmm. deterrent. Right, right. But obviously it's not a deterrent, right? Because they just keep coming. So that isn't working. And that's another big problem in all this and an obvious sign of the laziness in how people in the media and in the think tanks um, are, are going about trying to describe what's going on is there's this real cycle, of course, with the war on drugs and making drugs illegal. And then you have these parts of the world that have always been uh, poor, but then once the pandemic and again, manufactured cultural amnesia, like we'll just pretend that never happened, you know, a long, long, long time ago, that was, um, we'll, we'll just ignore the fact that those are the conditions that create all of this mass migration in the first place. I mean, it, what inherently makes any sense that someone in Guatemala or Honduras couldn't have uh, just as good a life there. I mean, how did these places ever become countries in the first place, right? For previous generations, it must not have been like this. So what is it that's happened? Well, we know that during the 20th century, after the 60s, basically, you know, drug use got introduced into the culture. Uh, not that it had ever not been in the culture, but for the living generation, it was reintroduced. That'd be the better term. The drug use was reintroduced after the completely dorky suburban 50s, uh, super uptight conservative 50s, right? Some life came back into the culture and the drug use. The demand for drugs goes up. And then, of course, you have the war on drugs. And the war on drugs creates a financial incentive for criminal organizations and cartels to supply the drugs, right? Because there's the war on drugs means there's a demand, but the supply is not going to be met, right? We're going to attack the people who do the drugs and supply them. So this increases violence, but the drug problem only gets worse. The drug use only becomes more uh, rampant, right? And at the same time, you have these countries in Central America that are getting poorer and poorer and poorer due to global income inequality. And what's the one thing that becomes the way out of all of this uh, poverty? You can be, you can join the cartels, right? You can get in on the drug trade or you can America and, and get a job. Because that's all, right, everything is, is interconnected. It's all one world, right? And, of course, no attention is, is given to that either. But if you think about it, there's nothing fundamentally uh, basic that makes any sense of why should it be this way? I mean, how come a person that lives in Guatemala or Honduras can't have just as good a life as they could in America? And it's like, well, it's poor and it's gotten worse. And the only thing that's there anymore is uh, the cartels, right? And you have, and and so that makes it uh, an undesirable place to live. There's the violence. Then there's the lack of of opportunity. Like I've seen and and read on a number of 
programs that basically what has happened in, in many parts of, of these countries is if you're a young man, um, you can get involved in the cartel trade. And if you're a woman, you can get into prostitution, right? Those are your two ways that you could do anything other than be really, really poor. Or you can be really, really poor and be surrounded by all this violence, or you can get out of there. So that's what people face. And they come to America, right? The leader of the world, looking out for people, Statue of Liberty, bring me your huddled masses and so forth. And they're, uh, they're treated like savages. They're treated like criminals, like villains and bad people. And you still have this going on. Uh, you have that going on. And then you have the, the genocide going on in, in Gaza. And, and those things, I think, really highlight why America is a fallen leader in the world. I mean, what kind of example is that to set for um, the, the rest of the world? So um, an example um, uh, of immigration uh, that's going to happen, at least a, an option uh, for the uh, some of us is to immigrate to the moon. And, uh, and moon news. Now, I think this is one of the greatest <laughs> things that's ever happened, man. Going back to the moon, I think is well, uh, just awesome. Yeah, but uh, get this. It, it's kind of uh, uh, seems a, a lot shittier than uh, it might seem because it's it's a pri it was a private mission. And right. uh, uh, it was funded by like NFTs, like these rich people paid for it. Uh, through these NFTs that were sent as marbles or something to the moon. <laughs> this was part of the, the whole thing. So n no research, you know, just uh, uh, these hardcore resources, uh, the rockets and uh, all the time and expense. It's, uh, and, of course, it's uh, uh, a lot of f fuel uh, pollution is – uh, Zero know. J joyride. <laughs> I mean, that's a, a lot of uh, CO2 released when they fire one of those things off, uh, <coughs> among many other uh, pollutants. But, uh, yeah, man. <coughs> Hell yeah. <coughs> uh, See the American flag waving in the distance. <laughs> So you're feeling proud. Uh, you you can see the American There's flag w waving waving on the moon. <laughs> you can see it from here. Uh, you're so proud. Uh, but yeah, the I want to be the first person to smoke a joint on the moon. <laughs> uh, right. Well, we need to get funding, Dave. I need you to get on this right <laughs> away. You need to get us a grant. Get funding. We go to the moon. We do podcasts on the moon. So it'd be a, a a moon pod. Moon pod. Trademark. Or lunar pod. And then uh, we'll uh, we'll smoke a joint. We'll be the first people to uh, smoke a joint uh, on the moon. But I get to I get to light it. I get to be the Neil Armstrong. <laughs> That's one small joke for me and one 
giant wrong year for <laughs> mankind. Yeah, but yeah, how would you pass it though? You would have to. I guess you could do it in the lander, but you couldn't really do it outside, right? Well, I'm assuming that they're going to get some kind of uh, dwelling set up, right? I mean, if we're going to start going back there, you're going to have to set up like a station, Mm -hmm. a moon station, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Yeah, so yeah, the the moon, uh, uh, moon pod, uh, moon moon pod station, and, uh, yeah, apparently this lander did turn on its side. So Talk it about a liftoff. <laughs> <laughs> so Washington week, uh, before uh, we run out of uh, uh, time here, mm-hmm. uh, I think you'll find this uh, to be quite interesting. If you want to talk about a bunch of liberal psychopaths, so Washington week is this intellectual talk show on national Pentagon television. And um, so they have their liberals on there. There was, um, and I mean, they are obviously smart and educated, but to cut to the chase, the discussion is about Ukraine and they're deliberating why people aren't that enthusiastic about um to fund Ukraine and uh, this uh, this deliberation is brought up one person on the panel says uh, I think you have to be concerned about morale because uh, people just don't seem to be wanting to get behind this right it's that tip- it's that typical uh, liberal uh, it's that uh, intellectual elitism right that we understand and and we're right so if anyone, doesn't think like we do and i just can't understand why they would uh, not want to get behind this and so there are two possibilities that they that they put out there one is isolationism right so the the nerdy wonkish academic liberal back to world war one and their what they learned in their history class isolation americans don't want to be a part of conflicts in other part of the world Right, this very general idea being applied to a specific situation, right? No explanation that is specific in detail to the specific situation uh, in question, which is the Ukraine war. And if it is true that Americans aren't that enthusiastic about supporting it, uh, how can we explain that lack of enthusiasm? So one is isolation. Then number two is Surprise, surprise, Donald Trump. You believe that? He actually comes up in a liberal discussion as what's the big problem here? And so it's a sinister motive that Trump is conditioning all of his uh, followers to uh, not want to support Ukraine so that Trump can become president again and arrange a settlement uh, between Russia and Ukraine that would favor Trump, right? So, uh, one, everything is uh, about Trump, and then, two, a settlement would be bad, right? So, after all of these, 
after a decade of Obamacon compromise, uh, moderation, incremental progress, things can't be exactly the way that we want them. Now we can't think of just getting people to stop killing each other. Like even that isn't worth it to have a settlement that won't be 100% exactly the way our side wants it to be. The other side will get something, and there will be some things about this agreement that we don't like, and be some things that the other side doesn't like. And so we've been told that by liberals for a decade. We have to compromise, got to work with the other side. People are killing each other. No, it has to be all our way. It has to be a a piece of strength or whatever Blinken called it, right? They must have a position of strength. It'll be a lasting piece. It'll be like this. It'll be exactly the way we want it. Russia gets out. We do it. It has to be like this. And until it gets to be perfect and exactly the way that we want it, and it'll be that way forever, the war goes on, the money keeps going over there, and the munitions keep going over there, and everything keeps escalating, right? Because the longer a war goes on, the, the, it, it, it does escalate. Right. It's it's too violent. It's too extreme that it's just going to stay where it is. So longer it goes on, the worse everything, the worse everything gets. So those are your two explanations from this table of uh, of liberals. Right. Isolationism. And uh, 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 what was the, the sinister, sinister motive on on Trump to uh, don't support the war, bring about a settlement settlement will will favor Trump. None of the people could think that after 20 years of war in Afghanistan and then losing the Afghanistan war, that the American people actually might be sick of war, including the people who actually went over there and fought. Right. And then some of them got killed. Many of them got wounded or saw other people get wounded and killed. There was also what was going on in Iraq, right? And these people obviously never overlapped in any circles with the people and their families. And what you might say is the, uh, for example, the, the working class military families of Colorado, right? Which there are many of them, right? They're not. Uh, they're really, well, whatever their background is, some of them, uh, you could say, are uh, are poor, right? And they go into the military and their families are, are uh, military because that's what they do. And so they've had to live through all of this and do all of this fighting and experience all of this war. And for two decades, both parties lied to the American people about the Afghanistan war. We were told that we were going to win when both parties knew that we could not win, that the goals were not achievable, right? We were, we were told that we were winning and that we were going to win, and what wound up happening? We lost, right? The, the paper mache uh, puppet Afghan military and government that we set up and kept trying to prop up and poured billions of dollars into and no telling how many people uh, were killed and all of that. It just fell apart. And the Taliban and just uh, basically waltzed 
back into into Kabul and the Americans had to scramble and run for their lives, right? This was never even brought up by the capital K knowing liberal smart people. They didn't even mention Afghanistan. Didn't even mention it. Like, do you have to make the same inference about Afghanistan and what happened and your position on the UK, Ukraine war and your deliberations about that as I have made? No. But how do you not even bring it up? And then they didn't even bring up Gaza, which is going on right now. And that isn't this sickening. And when do we ever get tired of this? And like the psychopaths uh, that the Democrats have become, they would never even consider the human toll, all of the people getting killed. And that's just going on and on and on. And like the egomaniacs that they are, they couldn't consider that just because they want to stop Putin and Russia doesn't mean that they'll be able to. And I just read today that the uh, German chancellor said that he was not going to send long-range missiles to Ukraine because Germany will not allow Germany to get involved in war, which I think you have to give uh, credit to. Like That's an example of a culture that actually learned something about itself, right? It, it grew, right? America, it just doesn't ever seem to happen. And then... Um, but it's but this not we're not going to send a long range missile to Ukraine is an, is a, another example of why strategically it's just so obvious there's no way that uh, that Ukraine can win this war because it can't fight at full strength whereas Russia can right Ukraine is it doesn't have enough by itself it needs to get the support from these other countries and these other countries are hesitant and measured. And what they're going to give Ukraine, Denmark just said they're going to give some F-16s to Ukraine and they should be there sometime during June. You see what I mean? Like, it's not even March yet. How do they how do you win like that? Like, you're just stringing them along is what it seems like is going on. And people in Europe are like, well, we don't want to. Uh, that we don't want them coming here, but we sure as hell don't want to really get directly involved either. You know, the longer we can just keep this going on in Ukraine, uh, well, I guess this will work, right? And it's just day to day, like, well, it's staying over there. Don't bring that shit here. And I mean, that's just such a, that's miserable. And again, whatever your position is on it, on the uh, the situation and what and what to do next i'm not saying you have to agree with me but the fact that you wouldn't even consider these other things in your discussion that's why you're not trustworthy that's why you're a psychopath like it you don't it doesn't even come into your mind that war is bad that the suffering and killing is bad that doesn't even this spark as one of the synapses in your brain you don't even you don't feel that at all. You don't think about what it's like for uh, to have just fought a twenty year war and lost, and you were lied to about what was going on, what was going to happen, and that wouldn't have any impact on your 
deliberation and the credibility of the people who are telling you, like, shoot, uh, like Chuck, we're going to legalize pot Schumer, um, saying, oh, if they get the aid, they'll win. If they don't, they'll lose. Weren't you one of the same people that were telling us that we were winning in Afghanistan? You're the same government that was telling us this. Yep, same people. And they're going down in flames. They made a deal well, with Time to load a bowl of some uh, IVF <laughs> strain, killer killer strain. <laughs> keep it uh, so good, I, I keep it stored in the in the freezer. I want it to be nice and tasty when I fire it up. <laughs> For my co-host and colleague, David Vernon Miller, this is Dr. David W. Overby, and you've been listening to the Oblivion Podcast.